0: Welcome to BIV Today, the daily podcast from the newsroom of business in Vancouver. I'm Kirk Point, publisher and editor-in-chief. One of the quiet success stories in our business community has been the presence to spur international trade through what's known as the Trade Accelerator Program. It was first introduced in Toronto and Canada, but now it's been in Vancouver for the last four years. It just celebrated that four-year anniversary in recent days. It's seen significant year-over-year growth in helping businesses develop their international markets. We're going to take what I think is a very overdue look at how this has worked. So I've invited Austin Nairn, he's the driving force behind this to join me today. Austin is the vice president of the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade, which has been the organization that has overseen the program's work that Austin has done. Good to have you with us.
1: Thanks very much for having me, Kurt. Pleased to- Let's, uh, let's time start
0: time. Let's start with this. Uh, this is a, a, a pretty uh, noble effort in order to take some businesses that need the assistance and get them that. So tell me a little bit
1: about how TAP works. Sure. What's, um, what's interesting is some of the research we've done is that generally speaking a couple of years ago, when we got into doing some work in the work in the space is that BC as a, as a province has just been under exporting for years. Um, and, and that's largely just because it's difficult and it's challenging and it's risky. And a lot of companies were coming up against some pretty significant obstacles. And the primary obstacles that they were facing is, is really a question about who to go to when, um, having the right people and partners to be successful in exporting and through all of that, just making sure that they, they mitigate their risk. And so that's really the focus of of this program is helping companies to address those barriers. Um, and it, it focuses on, really uh, a few different components and one is, is first and foremost educating them on, on who to go to when uh, through the, the support of partners in the public and private sector. So we spend about two days really doing a deep dive into all things exporting and, and uh, what are the proper steps to be successful. Um, we then uh, work with them on the, the following day to, to actually do a deep dive into developing an export plan to enter a new market. Um, and then finally, um, once they've had a chance to finalize that plan, get in, input from their, um, their colleagues and, and all people within their team, we then bring them back for a mentorship day, the final, final portion of the program where they actually have partners in the public and private sector actually provide specific, specific input and, and help them to validate that plan to ensure that they're, they're going to be successful. And the result is they come out of, of the program with a, an export plan, which has been vetted by the public and private sector. And so uh, the likelihood of their success is much, much higher.
0: Yeah.
1: Now that you've got
0: really four years under your belt on this one, well, probably more time, of course, in the, in the lead up to it. Uh, can you can you point to me, where have the common mistakes
1: largely been made by businesses? I would say it's it's a failure to plan. And what was interesting when, when we started down this path, I thought we would be primarily working with companies that have never exported before. Um, but what we've actually found is over 80% of the companies who we've worked with have already been exporting, but they were mm. drawn to this program because they faced all sorts of challenges and roadblocks along the way, probably made some mistakes, and, and recognized that in order to enter a new market, the first step is to really, really plan, know the market, know what are uh, going to be your, your strengths and weaknesses in that market, and uh, and having the right partners to be successful.
0: Yeah. Can you point to a particular sector or two that really quite clearly benefited almost right away?
1: Uh, I, I would say there, there's been a few. And and when I look at the um, the sectors which we work with most is, is surprisingly the agri-food uh, sector has been uh-huh. one that is particularly benefited. And, and I, I think that's just because um, BC is so synonymous with quality. And our food production, our food quality, and, and also just our, our dedication to, um, I'd say, a lot of health and wellness when it comes to, to some of those products um, has been really, really well received. So we've, we've seen a lot of success um, with their water being one we've had companies that produce uh, supplements like turmeric, even, even supplements for, um, for pets, if you can believe it, uh, have mm-hmm. gone through the program and, and experienced significant success. Um, and then also in the uh, in the tech space, we've had a number of t- uh, tech companies that have come through and have seen significant success. Uh, professional services is another. So um, it's been a pretty broad spectrum, but um, all of them, it, it's just by having a plan in place, they've really been able, able to leverage that, that plan, get their team on board, um, and in some cases, even secure additional financing. So, so a lot of people have
0: come to Canada and, and set up shop, become entrepreneurial, um, and then uh, exported back perhaps to their their home countries um, how has tap worked in order to help companies diversify
1: their trade markets a really uh, a really great great question and um, what uh, what we found is in the um, early going is, is companies primarily focused on the United States. That's in many cases, that's the, the market that they're most familiar with. And that's that's the natural one. But by um, partnering up with some of the, the public and private sector resources, we, we introduce them to they've really been able to diversify. And two of the resources that, that come to mind in, in particular are, are those offered by both the federal and provincial government. Um, so the, uh, the federal government has um, what, what are called trade commissioners in market. Um, through global affairs. And so they will actually plug you into um, a local network. They can often uh, do a bit of vetting of, of possible vendors or or people who might be actually willing to distribute your, your product or, or service in that market. Um, and then on the provincial side, they have what, what are called trade investment representatives in, a, in some select markets. Um, and uh, once again, they're able to really plug you into that local ecosystem. Um, so I would say those just at a, at a government level, those those types of resources have been super super helpful in helping companies to identify what markets they could they could uh, leverage, um, and then actually uh, and then actually plug into those markets.
0: Are, are you seeing now uh, four years into this how in fact a, a program like the Trade Accelerator one is actually even informing provincial and fe- federal representatives about how to necessarily enable. Uh, the export market
1: for bc it, it absolutely is and what we've we've seen is we work very closely with with all levels of, of government and we found that um global affairs in particular they've actually grown their number of um uh, of representatives in those markets over the last few years so i think what they've, they've found is no there there is there is demand we are getting specific questions there's um there's uh significant obstacles that these companies are facing and as a result we need to be putting more Resources, resources into these into these spaces. Yeah, when you uh, talk about obstacles like that, what would remain as some of the big obstacles, Austin? IP is one. Is um, yeah, entering into some of these markets, and if you don't have that lockdown and, and really, really smart about um, having that, having asked some of those questions in advance, you could expose yourselves to significant risk. And so mm. one just, just one of the private sector partners we have is, is Faskin, uh um, of course a very um, well-recognized law firm here and um, they've really been able to answer a lot of those questions around the IP piece so that companies um, can prepare and, and really significantly mitigate the risk when entering some of those markets.
0: Yeah, when um, it, you have now enough experience with this that uh, you must be uh, also cultivating a pretty broad range of understanding about where British Columbia's potential is. As you see a a program like this grow and it grows every year that I see statistics for it, um, are we getting anywhere near
1: what we might consider to be our capacity to export as a province? I think we have a long ways to go yet. And, And when we started down this path, we BC makes up about 13% of the population. I think it's about 13 uh, 13 and a half percent of of Canada's population. But um, from an exporting standpoint, we make up about 10 to 11% of the actual exports. And so I I still think that there's significant room for us to to get well above that 13 to to 14% just because we have such a a multicultural population with a higher propensity to, to export to the markets that they they have connections in, uh, yeah. and so I think we still have a long ways to go yet, um, and it's just a matter of, of educating people and and uh, really helping them to address those risks that and those barriers that uh, uh, that they're concerned
0: about. Uh, some people would would look at uh, not necessarily the top program, but would look at export um, incentives and and uh, initiatives and say, you know, this this money actually doesn't necessarily come back to the country it goes to you know to to set up operations in other countries and all that can you see the the direct job creation here the prosperity creation here uh, the, the revenue here in in you know now that you're watching this program now for four years
1: yeah, we, we absolutely can, and I, I point to um, specifically on the employment side. Is, is on average, our, our companies have been increasing their their headcount by about ten percent or or two plus employees within about six to twelve months of completing the program. And of course, those are those are often well-paying jobs that and they're they're contributing to the local economy. Um, a lot of the revenues then do flow back through to the to the local economy. Um, so uh, from from that standpoint, we've seen we've seen it. It's definitely paid off, and it's. Um, It's supporting our our economy on many, many fronts. And and do you feel now
0: um, that uh, now that you've had this experience and of course it started in Toronto as well, that uh, that Vancouver is is now potentially going to uh, increase its attractiveness for entrepreneurs to think of it as a, uh, a place where Export would be um, would actually be not only enabled but uh, highly encouraged as a as something to do here.
1: I, I do, and I think that is um, the fact that we are seeing um, greater interest and uh, desire for for the province and the, the federal government to be putting resources behind this. I, I think that's a really really great sign, and I think also just with um, what we've learned through this pandemic is that many people are able to work. Just about anywhere, and if you can live and, and work in, in BC, uh, it's a fantastic place to do so. And just with with all the resources we now have available to to work remotely, um, I think we're going to find that there's there's going to be greater, even greater demand for people to uh, to work here.
0: What has been interesting in watching the the program here, the program in Toronto, is how when government administrations have changed, there hasn't been any detectable discernible change in the attitude of administrations toward programs like this you know you can speak a little candidly if you can here Uh, does that surprise you
1: no i i think that people recognize that we're in an increasingly um, global marketplace Mm. and and anyone who's in the e-commerce space or or many many businesses i mean it's only a matter of time before you start attracting a, a global audience and I think all governments can agree on that, and they recognize that we are also a we are a, a country of exporters. We always have been, and we always will be. And we rely on the international population to buy our goods and services. So um, I think we'll continue to see this to be. Um, of course, maybe it maybe it moves a bit up and down the priority list, but it's always going to be among the top priority. Or less for, for any government. And, and we've been really pleased to see that the consistency um, over the, the four, four years we've been uh, doing this.
0: You mentioned earlier that we are a multicultural province and it, it's true that that also diversifies the entrepreneurial uh, leadership of, of a lot of our companies. But are there specific areas where you feel still that we, uh, we have more to do in order to encourage diversity in our export markets? In terms of leadership of, of organizations
1: Yeah, I th- I think it's a it's a moving target and, and one of the other things that, that we do at our organization here is we actually have a um, a program called our diversity and inclusion leadership council and we're constantly having that discussion about how can we mm-hmm. have more diverse uh, voices at the table. And I, I think that that is, is um, I, I'm really glad that it is coming to the forefront and it's becoming a higher priority for many, many companies. Um, but there's always room for improvement. There's always room for growth. But what I can say just from the companies we've worked with is they have come from all different size, scale, sector, um, and, and backgrounds. And uh, we've been really, really pleased with the diversity of, of companies we've been able to engage with.
0: I'm going to put you on the spot, Austin, because uh, you've dealt now with uh, countless companies in the four years. Is there, a, is there one that you can kind of look at and go, you know, this is a this is a great example of a company that really, you know, bought right in to what TAP was doing and now is a flourishing success? Do you, do you have a, you know, hate to ask for a favorite here, but do you, do you have something that you can point to that is... I think emblematic of the success.
1: Yeah, that's a really thanks for putting me on the spot. Here. <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, and uh, one one that comes to mind is, is actually called Novo Textiles, and they came into the the, um, the program and and they had done different manufacturing and different textiles for years, uh, and then the pandemic hit, and they hmm. they um, what what really it showed to us is just the resiliency, the the innovation, creativity of. This company, where they invested in a, a new textile machine, and as a result, were able to start producing masks.
0: Oh. Um,
1: in the this is the start end the, the beginning of the pandemic, and when we last checked in with them, they were producing three million surgical masks per month, uh, distributing all around the world, and they had grown their their um, uh, employees from twelve to sixty people. Wow. Just through the pandemic, so it was a significant investment to, to purchase this new machine. It, it, it paid off, um, and uh, and their growth is, is just a, a fantastic success story of you know the the innovation taking a bit of a risk, but a, a measured risk, um, and now they're this flourishing business that is is highly highly regarded um, mm-hmm. and, and grown significantly.
0: All conversations eventually wind back talking about the pandemic. Uh, at this point. <laughs> We um, Avoided
1: it for a few minutes.
0: We we got we got through nearly 15 minutes there. However, uh, I want I do want to hear about how you feel uh, the export market has had to cope with the pandemic, specifically for British Columbia. What it's meant in terms of things like supplying uh, supplying products abroad, um, and and you know the employment issues, uh, labor issues here. Uh, and economic issues, of course, uh, for the viability of some of these companies. How have you, do you think, um, noticed the change, the shift, uh, you know, the so-called pivot in our export market in the last 18, 19 months?
1: Yeah, what we what we have found um, is, specifically in, in the last 18 or so months, the um, Many companies have decided to once again focus a bit more on the North American market, just because logistically it's just made a bit more sense. It's been a bit easier to, uh, to getting the, the goods uh, into, the, into that market, to and from. Um, so that they, they've, they've kind of narrowed their, their scope a little bit in the last in the last 18 months. Now we're starting to see that that open up again. Um, mm-hmm. And and from a from an HR standpoint, I mean that's something we're constantly hearing about this uh, this kind of war on talent is is finding great people has become increasingly difficult just with um, some of the limitations of just um, immigration and, and that that's really put a significant, reason, uh, significant strain on these companies ability to actually expand. So um, I would say that their their growth has been stifled a little bit in the last 18 months, um, but now we're seeing as borders do begin to open up again, we're very optimistic about, uh, about where we can go next.
0: So some of the reticence is, is going to wash away. Um, so uh, let me ask you in, in conclusion then, you, so you're, you're now into the fifth year of operation uh, with, with TAP and, and you would have some idea, um, obviously in running it, about where it now needs to go in, in different ways um, on the assumption that uh, the pandemic's effects start to ease on our economy uh, further. Um, where, where do you see a program like this now um, getting its next chapter?
1: one thing we um we did over the last year is, is we started to focus some of our cohorts on on really supporting specific groups that we felt needed um some specific uh, support when it comes to things like the Trade Accelerator Program. So we actually worked with the Canadian Council for Aboriginal Businesses to run a, this is last February, to run a cohort specific for Indigenous owned or led businesses, really, really well received. And and the the whole program was catered um, to some of their specific needs. And actually just last week, we launched um, a similar uh, focused cohort around um, companies that are owned by women or led by women in partnership with the Women's Enterprise Center. So, uh, and once again, very, very well received and, and a really great partnership with that organization as well. So um, I think the, the future is, of course, we, we will continue to host um, kind of general cohorts, but also looking at where there's a need, where there's specific obstacles that, that certain um, folks may, may need to have addressed. Looking at how we can partner up with with great organizations in those space uh, those spaces just to uh, to help those specific groups. Well, it's been a really good
0: conversation, nice education too. I think for uh, for our viewers and listeners about what it is that uh, TAP has done, and obviously, uh, for any any entity that is looking for this assistance, uh, I'll give you a few seconds here to quickly do a commercial for how they find you.
1: Sure, thanks. Uh, Thanks for that. So if you want to, anybody out there interested in learning more about how they can grow their company uh, internationally, um, can go to boardoftrade.com and then uh, just click on the World Trade Centre Vancouver link there. And you'll see we have several upcoming cohorts of our Trade Accelerator program, and then also our integrated e-commerce essentials program, which uh, which complements that. Good talking to you, Austin. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Kirk. Great to see you.
0: I'm Kirk LaPointe, publisher and editor-in-chief of Business in Vancouver. Thanks for watching.